You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit Irreverent FM for more content from my friends. Hello, hello, and welcome to Bad Words, an evangelical podcast where we give toxic theology the read that it deserves by taking another look at some of the books that have been given major influence in evangelical Christianity. This season, we are reading Wild at Heart by John Eldridge and Captivating by John and Stacey Eldridge, losing the plot on manhood and womanhood one chapter at a time. I am your host, Janice Legata, and I'll be ripping up this week's chapter with a good member of the Bad Book Club. Co-host, introduce yourself, please. I'm Ashley. I hail from Seattle. I'm queer, and I like to say that I uh, live at the intersection of queerness and Christianity, but also feel icky using Christianity. So often just say, I fuck with Jesus and nothing else. Excellent. So we'll get started with the reading of the opening paragraph. We'll have a discussion and then hear the closing paragraph and send you on your way. For additional context and conversation and the option to listen to these episodes with no ads, I invite you to join the people of Jod by becoming a Jodly or Jod-willing patron on Patreon. But either way, I'm happy you're here and I hope you're ready because without further ado, let's get into... Captivating Chapter 7. It had been a long, busy day, and I left the boys with John and escaped into the night for some much-needed time alone. It was a beautiful fall Colorado night. I walked along a path toward a park near our home. The air was crisp and clear, the stars winking, glistening. I breathed in the beauty and laid the cares of the day behind me. A cool breeze whispered by, one of the first to speak of the winter to come. As I walked, I was dazzled by the splendor of it all, and I began to compliment God on the great job he had done. It's beautiful, Lord. The stars are amazing. I'm glad you like it, my darling. I stopped dead in my tracks. I blushed. Did the God of the universe just call me darling? Was that okay? I was warmed to the depths of my soul by the endearment, but I also wondered if I had made it up. And was it sacrilegious to believe God would use such a loving name for me? So you were literally just here two to three episodes ago, maybe? I think so. I think so. So when I was recording episodes for this, I started started from both ends. So I was trying to make sure I had everything covered. And it worked until it didn't. I legit just did not have chapter sevens done. So we got to chapter seven. I was like, oh, look at that. Jod works in mysterious ways because, yeah, chapter seven now coincides very nicely with the release of the Barbie movie and a lot of the conversation and controversy and conservative rage concerning the Barbie movie. And so this chapter, I mean, honestly, any chapter in this awful book, uh, but this one in particular contrasted with the Barbie movie, I think is just uh, a chef's kiss of a lot of just kind of what we're, we're dealing with right now. So I'm, I'm happy it worked out this way. I'm happy you agreed to come back because you just saw the Barbie movie and you read this another awful chapter in this book um but worse a worse chapter this one uh, this this might be the worst chapter in this book it's not as outwardly kind of violent as other parts of this book are but it's it's like violent in a different way it's extremely creepy it's icky it's it's so i felt 
uncomfortable. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, I am pretty, um, I don't want to see other people's PDA. Like, I just get uncomfortable when people are being, like, overly affectionate. Like, I'm just not a girly who's, like, I'm not, I'm not a porn girly. I just, it's, like, too graphic for me. Uh, people can live their lives how they want. I can't do it. It gives me the ick. I felt my feelings about this chapter was like I was watching porn, which which was only compounded by the fact that we are talking about God. What? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, what, what chapter did you have and what was it about? I had chapter seven and it was all about God being, or Jesus being our great romancer. And I'm not gonna lie. I got about a paragraph in and this lady said, and then God called me darling. And I was like, what? And then it just tanked from there. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I just never, even in being an evangelical, was like, God is my lover. And I read this book and I just must have blocked this out, blazed over this, because I just never was like, God is my, my lover. What? And then we always love bringing up Hosanna and God being our lover and us being prostitutes. Which, like, if you're a sex worker, live your life. Live your game. Get that cash. I'm not here to judge you. But it's it's weird yep. to be like, God is my lover and I am a sex worker. What? Mm-hmm. Like, again, get your coin how you get your coin. But it's very creepy that all of this is intertwining with like, I, it, it's like, you know, you're giving your body to whoever you're giving your body to, but like, actually you need to be giving your body to your greatest lover, which is God. What? Yeah. So I just, and, and you know, it has the genie themes of like her husband, John saw a whale and And he's like, this is my gift from God and the whale. And then she's like, God, do you love me? Show me a whale. And then God showed her starfish, which (laughs) God showed her starfish. And it's like, God showed John a whale because whales are mighty and strong and, and strong. And God showed me a starfish because they're delicate and intricate and it's just I'm like or stars live at the beach that's a starfish a star, that's where they live their home is the beach you know where whales live whales live in the ocean that's their home <laughs> I, I, I the the language the imagery it was it was giving me the heebies and it was it was like sexually graphic, but in the language of talking about God. And I I was shook by it. I was really shook by it. And oh, also felt rage when we were talking about like what did she say? Being loved makes you beautiful. Oh, being pursued. Yep. Being pursued. Yep. Those are the things that make you beautiful. And before you're pursued and loved. You're not beautiful. What? Yep. And it's like that love and pursuing of a man, 
that's the thing that awakens your beauty. I hated every moment of it and was both enraged by this idea that I need a man to be beautiful and icked out from start to finish by God being my sexual great lover, throwing in some Song of Solomon, ick, 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 ick. <laughs> what is that chapter in Wild at Heart? It's not. It's not. And this is one of the myriad issues with this book, with these books, and with, yeah, this chapter. Speaking of that whale story, and I was like, I hate that this book makes me do so much extra work or makes me want to do extra work. Because I'm like, I'm sure this, add this story to the list of things that never happened. John's whole little whale story. And I'm sure that I could delve deeper into these details and probably disprove it pretty easily, pretty quickly. But like, I'm like, first of all, this is the women's book. And she's telling this story a few years ago. John went on this business trip. He snuck away for some time alone with God. But he walked and prayed. He said, you were telling this detailed story based on somebody else's account, allegedly. We all know John is, John is writing this. And John wanted to put this little fable in here. But, you know, he saw it. He just massive humpback whale appeared right before him, impossibly close to shore. No one else was near. The time of the whale's annual migration had long. This did not happen. This is a lie. This is a, John made this up put this in this book and now you're out here searching for signs based on something that never happened and also like <laughs> there was that moment John told me the story and as happy as I was I wanted my own story so y'all are having like this weird competition good you love her right god you love you love John do you love me show me something there was that there's another moment where she talks about they talk about John being nudged by the Holy Spirit to buy some CD. <laughs> he says, I wasn't really moved by it. I gave it to Stacy. And I'm like, what kind of relationship? <laughs> like, God told me to buy this. I don't like it here. <laughs> you can have this. Like, but yeah, this whole, when I was, when I was talking with Tamise a few weeks ago, we we're talking about like Jesus and, you know, I was like, well, I've gotten to the point where I, was like, I don't, I don't, I don't care about Jesus. I don't think about him one way or the other at this point. He lived, died. I'm fine with it. But you know, growing up in evangelicalism, you had to all the time. You're being told, oh, tell God that you love him. Tell Jesus that you love him. Oh, I love you, Jesus. And I'm like, did I? I don't think I did. Because at this point, like, I don't, I don't miss Jesus. I don't, you know, I just don't feel anything for Jesus. I, I also don't love Santa Claus. Like there's just these, these figures and it's just wild to me that we put so much time and energy into making people feel like they have to love this being that is doing nothing for them. And then also like my love for Jesus, how does that help you? How does that help anyone else? And if that's that's the only criteria, well, do they love Jesus? That says that tells me nothing about you. And if you're out here doing horrible things, <laughs> having this horrible theology, writing these horrible books, 
But then you say, but, but I love Jesus. And that's all. That's the greatest commandment. And that's all that matters. This is why evangelicals are some of the worst people on earth. Because you have these standards that nobody else, like, there's no way to quantify this. There's no way to prove or disprove any of this. And it doesn't help anybody. Like, it would be different if we're saying, okay, which it should be. If you love Jesus, then you will treat people like this. You will do this and this and this. But they're like, no, no. If I love Jesus, I just love Jesus. And he gives me starfish. And those things should come if they, and that's, like, they'll be there because I love Jesus. And it's like, well, no. 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 And then this chapter is just, just creepy. You had the, (laughs) your first chapter was the the thwarting chapter. And then (laughs) this, this just plays into that. But like this reminded me of, you know, oh, you've heard, everyone's heard they have a a God-shaped hole in their life. But did you know that God has a U-shaped hole in his? And, you know, only you can, you can fill that spot. And I'm like, this is, this is the Barbie movie. And this is trying to put women into this box. God wants this collector's item. He wants to put you in this box and he needs you. And it's like, God, if you are the creator of all of this, you could have made women that wanted to be in the box, that wanted to do whatever it is you want to do and like would be thrilled by that. But this is like the whole Jonah Hill incident, right, with with his girlfriend. And it's like these men don't want, you can find a woman who will live up to your standards, who are already doing whatever whatever you can find that but men don't want that god doesn't want that like they want to thwart somebody else and like make somebody become this thing that they want they want to see somebody oh they're out there living their life they're thriving they're doing well i like that but i don't like that for them i want to take this successful person and make them into something else and have them fit into this box there are women who want to be in that box. And you're like, no, I don't want that one. I want the one who doesn't want to be here. Like, I need you to prove your love for me by becoming something you don't want to be. And that's, that's what this God seems to want. Like, no, I need these women <laughs> to be broken down and destroyed enough for me to properly love them. For them to accept my love. It's like, you know, they shared the, a lot of Hosea scripture, but it's like, God will put thorns in your path. God, will, and I'm like, I don't, this sounds abusive. Like, why am I trying to be with someone who like beats me when I'm thriving to, to come back? Like, and if that's your cup of tea, if that's who you want to be, if you really were like, in your opinion, a broken, messed up person, and then you came to Christianity and it made you thrive, cool. Love that for you. But this idea that we all have to have be broken and have thorns and all to like come 
to Jesus, I'm I'm good actually. Like if that's the vibes, if the vibes are like God wants to teach me a lesson, actually I'll share. I I don't think I've shared this publicly. When my mom was like the the weekend we found out my mom was like probably uh on her you know going into the sunset like she was gonna pass away I go to this very infrequently this like little quirky affirming church um I really uh like the humans who run it and we're friends with them and so ever so often we go there and so they were like can we pray for you and I was like I guess (laughs) um and you know, so they prayed for me in front of the church, which like, mm, I would say no in the future, but whatever, you know, I did. And someone I know came up to me afterwards and he gave me a probably eight minute monologue about how, you know, I found this great love. I bought a house and this was God, like my mom, like things were really good. And God was, like, allowing... And there were, like, potential layoffs at my job. So, like, God was allowing this, like, potential layoff and my mom literally dying as a way for God to show me he's God. And the entire time, I, like, sat by my mom's bedside while she was dying. I, in in the quiet, when no one was around, I was like, wow is my life so good that it, it is the cause of my mom dying so that God can show me who God is. Oof. And I know logically that that is no, like, I don't, I don't believe that. I, I just, I categorically do not believe that. And I haven't talked to this person since, like, I do not believe in this God that like, because my life is good, they need to kill my mom to like show me their goodness. But I read stupid scripture like Hosea, and it is like this idea that God needs to hurt me mm-hmm. so that I can come by back to him. You are an abusive relationship. If you believe that God punches you in your face to show you how good he is to you, you are an abusive relationship and you need to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. There's this, what is it here? Some of God wants to romance us and blah, blah. He knows what, he knows what takes your breath away. Knows what makes your heart beat faster. We have missed many of his notes simply because we shut our hearts down in order to endure the pain of life and blah, blah. So he's going on about how, you know, God, God knows how to reach you and God, God will do whatever, right? He will, he will kill your mother. He will take your job. He will thwart you, do all these things to get, to get your attention. And like with this and even, even with salvation, I'm like, you know, when people, people are in my DMS and people are so worried, worried about me, right. And worried about my salvation. And you need to, you need to get, get right with God. You gotta, gotta come back and blah, blah, whatever. And I'm like, you realize you are more worried about my salvation than God is. Because, you know, to say we have missed many of his notes, you telling me, (laughs) the all-knowing, all-powerful God, 
that created me doesn't know how to get my attention. Like he doesn't know what it would take to get me on board right now today. Like y'all are doing all of this and God is obviously not concerned because he has all the cheat codes. Like it shouldn't be that God is out here sending me notes and I'm missing. How is he, how is he missing me? Like, how does he not know what it's going to take to get to me? God is just out here trying everything. We have, something is not adding up here. Either this God does not know everything and does not have all the power, or this God is not that concerned with me, at least not today. It might be three weeks from now, 10 years from now, (laughs) when he's finally going to be like, oh no, now. Now I want you back. And here is, <laughs> I know that it is going to take an alien on the riding the wings of a unicorn landing <laughs> in your bedroom as you were editing this. Ep- that's what it's going to take. I'm like, damn, Lord, you nailed it. That is exactly what I needed. <laughs> and I'm back. I'm on board. You are for real. And I love you. You got me, man. You got me. God is not doing that. And to say that God has to do all these things, how is how why does this God only know how to communicate through through pain and through hurt and through harm? Like why is this God if no, oh, I got to get I got to get Ashley and I'm going to use her mom to do it. Why was he not why is it not a miraculous healing? Like how why is that not not the thing, but like, <laughs> if somebody needs you to be in a desperate, destroyed, broken condition to finally realize how good they are, abuse, red flag, <laughs> warning, <laughs> this is not healthy at all, run, <laughs> You you apparently are going to have thorns in your feet anyway. Please get them get out. Heading in the other direction. This God is awful. Awful. And you know what? I felt bad for that person because I'm like, wow. I'll never talk to you again. But also, like you believe that you believe that God would kill your mother in order to get you to a desperate enough place to say, Hmm, God is God. Right. Right. And I'm sorry to you. And I'll never talk to you again because that's, that's a bitch ass thing to say to somebody. Um, but you believe that. And, and, the dummies who wrote this chapter believe that. And they, uh, it. But you know what is wild to me? Like, I would love to know the ways that God has thwarted the, the Eldridges in their million dollar home, in their uh, celebrity lifestyle. I would love to know how God is continuing to throw their path so that they know God is God. 
I would love to know it. I would love to know like um, what that looks like. Cause it's not, it's, it's not happening for these people who write these books. Like they aren't actually experiencing this like hardship that they're saying we all need to experience. It's a way to, it's a grift. It's a way to make money. Right. It's a way for us to need them so that we will continue to buy their books. Right. Um, because they're not having these experiences. No. Well, I would say John is definitely being thwarted um, in his romances. Um, I think John, I think, I think John feels like he is being thwarted, being punished by God um, in this marriage. <laughs> like, I think this is... <laughs> You know, this is his his Christian duty, and this is, you know, whatever. And I think Stacy is being, I don't know why, why she's being put, but like this is a this is not a good marriage. This is not a you're right, you're right, a happy relationship. And these these people are what make this is just an example of evangelicalism is an example of what we are seeing in some of the grimier um, spaces of deconstruction right now. It's like people can have money and get money and ask for money and money is not going to cure your problems, right? Because the elders have everything materially and are still miserable people. Yeah. With, oh. I mean, imagine you're, if you are a truly Christian, your husband comparing you to the prostitute in Hosea. Just imagine you are mad Christian mm-hmm. and your husband is like, yo girl, you're like the prostitute in Hosea, but I'm going to keep pursuing you. That just feels like maybe not the vibe. Right, right. And nothing personal, right? It's not just you, girl. It's all girls, girl. It's <laughs> it's just how y'all are. And then we, men, who definitely love women and only women, have to pursue you. Have to go get you from these streets. And bring you back home. Take your glasses off and show you that you're beautiful. (laughs) And yeah, this is this is where where we are and what we're dealing with, and it's just it's just gross. And so, like reading this, again, I read it months ago, the first time when I was, you know, supposed to record this episode and then reading it again, I like so much of this controversy about the Barbie movie. These people are all worked up over it's wokeness, I guess, whatever. But cause I'm like looking at this and looking at the Barbie movie, which one is more sexual? That's what I'm saying. Because the Barbie movie, honestly, very chaste. Like, 
very... Yeah, like a few jokes, a few jokes. They don't even kiss. Right, right. Like nobody kisses. No, no. And so this book, I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is porn. This is, I'd be way more uncomfortable with a young person of any gender reading this than seeing Barbie. The Barbie, 100%. Like, what? And, you know, the Eldridge's love a movie. Love a movie more than anything to prove their points about whatever. And I just wonder, I'm like, what, what would they do writing this book today? Like, so many, I mean, all of their movie references at this point are just outdated and old. Yeah. Yes. But I'm like, what would they do? How would they, how would they write about this? It wouldn't make it into their books as an example of, you know, <laughs> what women like or how women are. But I'm like, but y'all love, y'all love a movie that this is your Bible. And you have used Hollywood up to this point to prove like, here, here's all the movies that, you know, agree with how we see the world, which is proof that this is how the world is. It's like, well, now most movies do not follow y'all's standards. So it's like, what, what would you say? But I guess that industry has been corrupted now. That's what it, yeah, that, that industry has been corrupted. That would, that would be what they say. We need to take Hollywood back. The Sound of Freedom is what we need to watch to teach us about what happens when the world is corrupt. Ugh. It's just all the worst. And then there's this one, what did they say? More Christians are being martyred in our lifetime than any other time in church history. It's like, y'all are just saying stuff. Y'all are just making oh, you're just saying stuff up. Because where? How is this, where? Show me. And they said, it is, it is not obedience that is carrying our brothers and sisters, unwavering, steadfast, eyes ablaze to their deaths. It is holy, fierce passion, hearts afire. For the root of all holiness is romance. I'll throw up. I will, I will throw up. But this, Why I gotta die? Right. And, and I gotta die because I, I'm obedient. It has nothing to do with this great weird romance. It's because it's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> John is like, honestly, I prefer all women martyred ASAP. <laughs> but like, you can't evangelicalism. Just you won't. You have too many crazy things that you want us to believe all at once. So nowhere, the Bible does not mention the Trinity, right? So this is something we have made up. It wasn't enough to be like, okay, there's a God and there's a Holy Spirit and there's the Son, here's Jesus. No, no, no. They have, they, they have to be all in one. So now we got the Trinity. So they're all, they're separate, but they're also the same. So they're all one thing. 
Okay, fine. But you cannot also, as God, say, I am, I'm your father, I'm your friend, and I'm also your lover. No, you cannot. (laughs) Three and one. Three. No, we can't, we cannot, (laughs) we cannot do that. And then where is Jesus? Where is Jesus in this? So Jesus, you are now my savior, my brother, I guess, but also my lover. We can't do that. And this, it's icky. It's and this is part of the reason, I think, why Christianity, because it's not just evangelicalism that has this belief, but like the sex, (laughs) the cults within this religion that have this belief. This is why sexual abuse is a problem. I agree. I agree. Because you are grooming people with these crazy, inappropriate ideas from the beginning. Like you are just, you're just messing with people's boundaries because it should not be, I should not have to be trying to figure out how is God my father and also my lover? How is that okay? Is that no, it's not icky, it's gross, inappropriate. It's so gross. And the fact that we just, yeah, love God as your lover. What? <laughs> oh, what? Nope. Nope. And all of this, I would never, I would never be fine with it. But I would respect it a little more if this exact chapter was in Wild at Heart. Like, yep. Yep. switch the pronouns. Hey, boys. Jesus wants to be your lover. (laughs) He is waiting to penetrate your heart with his... I almost puked. I almost puked when it said Jesus is gonna penetrate. What is happening? What is happening? Why did you choose that language? Yeah. Yeah. But none of this. None of this. Is in the book for boys. Oh no. And then it's like, it's just, it's just so gross because it really does make women just this, this piece of property, this thing to be penetrated and makes it seem like God, God thinks of us that way and also created us just for that purpose because God couldn't, couldn't romance the boys apparently. But now let me create this separate lesser thing that I can be romantic with. And the only way that we can be awakened to being beautiful and having beauty and being seen as, as beautiful is if we are pursued by both God and really a man, a man. I mean, I mean and really a man. Yeah. Yeah. So here as, let me find, where is that? 
I was just looking at it. It's <laughs> like, cause y'all, y'all need to hear how, yeah. So the section is longing for romance. There's a woman becomes beautiful when she knows she's loved. We've seen this many times. You probably have too. Cut off from love, rejected, no one pursuing her. Something in a woman wilts like a flower. No one waters anymore. She withers into resignation, duty, and shame. The radiance of her countenance goes out as if a light has been turned off. But this same woman, whom everyone thought was rather plain and unengaging, becomes lovely and inviting when she is pursued. They take the glasses off, and then we (laughs) see that we're beautiful. All you needed was to take the glasses off. (laughs) So, like, this book... So, here, as a black woman who is not currently being pursued. And with my queer friend who is engaged. So are you still being pursued or have you, you've been pursued? You've been caught. No, I, yeah, yeah. You've been captured, but not by a man. Right. Yeah. So I'm not beautiful because, um, I am not being pursued by a man and that's the, like a man has to say that I'm beautiful, right. not another woman. So unfortunately, so we just two black uggos. We just call, <laughs> two black uggos. <laughs> two no, no, rather plain and unengaging broads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's it. That's it for us. Yeah, there's no, yep. That's it. And then, granted, all right, I'll give it to him. And I'll say, you're right. We just sitting over here, just plain, unengaging, unpursued, whatever. Why do I care? What? Why is why is this supposed to mean anything? Like I'm I'm good. I'm fine. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm all right. Um why like it really it really this book really does consider women just we're just for consumption. Like yeah. If somebody else is not some man is not taken with you, captivated by you, pursuing you. <laughs> what what purpose could there be to your life? Well, why are you here? Why are you? <laughs> why why are, you are you here? Right. So then it's like, are we? Who who did wrong in this situation? Is it God? Did he not create us correctly? Are we just waste? Like, are we a waste or are we, you know, defying the system? Like, are we right now, as we are sitting here, are we depriving some men of their great pursuit of their, you know, are they out there wandering around? directionless, purposeless. I just, I, I'm supposed to be pursuing something and I don't, I don't know where it is. Or 
did God just, oh, those were leftovers. I, I don't know how they got here. Um, and there is nothing and no one for them. So I don't know what they're doing. They're just, just wastes, wastes of wastes. Time and space, I guess, because <laughs> they'll never be beautiful, never been beautiful, and yeah, I guess we have faces only a father, lover could love, because no men, just God, and Christianity is so depressing. <laughs> like, no. And it's just such, it's just, Christianity, it's a scam. It's not real. But it's like, if you want to believe in something, believe, choose a better scam. You can believe anything. You can believe anything. Believe something better than this. Because this God that needs needs things to romance, but then is making things that don't, don't want to be romanced by him. Like you had, if we're going with the evangelical mythology, you had angels. You had these beings that could not disobey you. So you had your robots, you could have made more of those. But to be out here creating things with free will, because allegedly you want them to choose you, but then you're making them choose you under duress all the time. Like, but what? You Stockholm Syndrome, you know, like... <laughs> Because again, you have all the cheat codes. You could have made this very easy. You could make people want to love you, to be with you, to spend time with you. But you're out here nagging people, right? And just being as mean as you can. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to hurt Oh, you like that thing? You love that? Okay. I'm taking it. I'm going to take it away. <laughs> it's gone now. Now what you going to do? It's only me. Me over here. Oh. You still gonna run in the other direction? <laughs> you like that little job more than you like me? Gone. Gone. Okay. Oh, <laughs> you still don't want to be like, have you, like, even we have the problems, right? Like, no, you catch more flies with, with honey than, you know, vinegar, whatever. Like, even we know. Be nice. Just. <laughs> Be nice to people. And God is like, I'm going to put thorns in your path. Right. You, you have everything. Allegedly. The cattle on a thousand hills. You can bring in it. You could be bringing me dozens and dozens of roses. And you said, nah. Thorns. Give her Thorns. The roses were right there. And you're like, no, rip those up. Just the thorns. Because uh, I love so her. Something I thought was fast. 
uh, about Barbie is the creator and Barbie uh, doesn't do that. Like, gives paths to get out. Oof. Is like, oh, you, something, something, the, the, the bush, the, the, the bad is like coming for you. Take this path and get out. And I, I'm like, I just feel like, wouldn't we all want to follow a God who gives us paths out instead of puts things in our way, blinds us, kills our moms? Like, I, I just, I don't know. Seems, seems like that's better. Yeah. You would think. But apparently not. Nah. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is such a bad God. This is a messed up God. And if you take this and you put it in any other context, this is clearly, clearly an abusive relationship. And everyone would tell you to get out. Everyone. And if they didn't, <laughs> They're crazy. And they are benefiting from this system in some way. For real. Yeah. But it... <laughs> I'm like, no. No. Ew. Gross. All of this. Don't want it. I just... <laughs> couldn't be me couldn't couldn't be me <laughs> like you, you for you I love that for you for me couldn't be me it's just and it it's like this maybe okay <laughs> we'll give it to you God the first couple centuries I don't know why you as an all-knowing all-powerful being don't understand humanity but apparently you don't so maybe this was you this was your first idea and this is what you tried it doesn't work and at this point you should know that and again you have everything so you are actively reaching into your toolbox to choose the worst the worst tools to do the worst things and and it's this idea Right, that like God, God doesn't want to be too good to people because then people would just come to God because of the things God does. Like God wants to be loved for who they are, not what they do. No, no, we are all loved for who we are based on what we do. Like it is not, if I, I can tell you things about me all day long. But like if I'm if I'm your friend and I'm over here all the time just talking about how much how much money I have and what a good good person I am. And I've just here's all my things and I have so many things and I'm I'm a good person. I'm your friend and I love you. And then I know you have a need and I do nothing. I just sit over here and I just wait. And I just watch. And then I wait for you to ask me. <laughs> you say, hey, you're saying all the time, you got all this money, you're a good person, you love me, you saw I had this need, you didn't do anything, but now I'm asking you, can you do this for me? And I say, 
I'll think about it. I'll get, <laughs> I'll get back to you. Um, why don't you have a bunch of your friends get together and ask me about it? That might move my heart a little bit. Um, but I'll let you know. And then I come back later and I say, actually, I was never going to give you the money for your mom's operation because your mom was actually coming between me and you. <laughs> you loved her a little too much. But now that she's gone, maybe you'll see what a treasure I am and all that I could do for you. Probably won't, but I could. But could. But I could. And that should be enough for you. You should love me based on <laughs> what I'm telling you I could be. It's crazy. It's crazy. Insane. Insane. So, <laughs> if you were going to build a theology and your only two choices are chapter seven of Captivating or the Barbie movie, what are you basing your theology on? The Barbie movie. <laughs> I don't understand how that's even that's not a question. <laughs> if I were a man, maybe chapter seven, but a hundred percent the Barbie movie. <laughs> and I'd say if you were a bad man, no good man is Yeah, if you're a bad man, you're 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 one in chapter seven. Barbie all the way. <laughs> so how did how does this book see women versus how does Barbie see women? I mean, I, the book sees women as for consumption. Like, we are not anything more than people being, being for our, our lover God and the men in our lives. That's, that's, our, that's our whole reason for being... And if we're not that, we're a waste. Mm -hmm. And in Barbie, how do I explain this? I, like we're the sun, you know. Like we're we are the. Things revolve around us. We're, um, yeah, I, I'm, it's hard for me to like encompass all that I think women are in that movie because it's just everything. We're everything. And that's it. Yeah. Barbie is everything and Ken is just Ken. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what did you... What did you think of the Barbie movie? Like, what, 
what were your expectations going into it? And then, yeah, what'd you think of it? So I think I didn't have a lot of expectations when I first saw the previews. I was like, oh, it'll be like funny and cute. And then, you know, you start seeing people see it and talk about it. And I'm like, okay, like, okay, like, maybe it's like, people are like, I laughed, I cried. I was like, okay. Um, And I did laugh and I did cry. And um, I was blown away by um, the movie, to be honest. I think that the way that it portrayed women and our confidence and like, um, you know, I loved the scenes where they were like, you're a great writer. And Barbie would be like, I know, you're beautiful. I know, like, um, I think just like the confidence of the Barbies was amazing and I loved like um the I loved the the I loved the like undercurrents of we can be everything and we don't have to be (laughs) um like when Barbie was saying like I'm not smart Bob Barbie. I'm not leader Barbie. I'm not, and, and, you know, I'm just stereotypical Barbie. And the idea that like Barbie is actually everything and women are everything. And we don't have to be all of those things. And if we're not some aspect of those things, that's actually okay. Um, because we don't have to be, we're like more than enough. And I just really liked the, that messaging of we can be all the things and we don't have to be any of the things and we are enough. And I loved actually the portrayal of the kids also because they're just kind of there, um, but they're not abused. They're not like, they're not there for consumption. Um, They're just there. Um, But the Barbies are like doing all the cool things. And then, you know, the kins take over, if you will, and the Barbies aren't just there. They are actually there for the kins' consumption. Um, So I think even, like, the the flipping that of, like, women being in power, they still, like, are kind to the kins. They're just doing their own thing. They're like, we don't need you. Um, And the kins actually need the Barbies to be validated, even when they're the ones that have the control, Um, which I think is the messaging of chapter seven in the book. Um, This idea that like, you know, we are the thing that makes men, men, and they need us for consumption. And you saw that in the Barbie movie. Um, And... I just really, you know, I I think, I think about our grimy place on the internet, uh, in the deconstruction space. And I think about like, you know, there's types and shadows of like, believe women when the Barbies are trying to get their land back from the kins. And at first, like no one is listening to the Barbies being like, no, like we're dope. 
we're like, you were a writer, you are amazing. And like, but we just get so wrapped up and like what men say, uh, for various reasons, um, maybe they're, we think they're an expert. Maybe they're part of some marginalized identity and we feel like we need to listen to them. Um, but we're not listening to the women asking questions. And oftentimes we ostracize them. We actually like cast them out when they're asking questions or challenging. Um, and so I was, I just could see both how that played out in Christianity as, as a questioner, as someone who questions, how that played out in Christianity for me, how that uh, interacts in spaces in the deconstruction that I'm in. Um, so yeah, I think those are the things about Barbie that I um, really appreciated. And that, you know, I think about Alan and how the patriarchy even hurts men. It yeah. hurt all the kids, but like, Alan didn't fit into what they considered to be patriarchy, masculinity. And so Alan was also cast out. Um, and so I think those are the things that I, I just wasn't expecting Barbie to be that. I thought it was going to be fun loving and cute. And then it had all of this social commentary, um, which is wild to me that conservatives are like upset about it because I'm like, you're upset that, you know, women being independent of men, but they never were violent towards the kins. Nope. They never tried to hurt them. They never consumed them. They were like included, but they just weren't the center. And that is why people are upset. Yeah. Yeah. And they, again, for all the, the rate, like the movie is extremely, extremely platonic. We're all just, just hanging out. No one, no one is being consumed and like romantic relationships were just not, not the focus of anyone. And all of these Barbies are just living their lives, doing their things. And I don't know, it's just like keeping, just kind of keeping everything in its proper place. Like, you know, when... When Barbie is asked, you know, where, where do the Kins usually live? Right. <laughs> She's like, I don't know. I don't like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> where do they go? I'm like, I don't know. And it's not, it's not our concern. And it's not like, oh, you know, well, where do the Kins usually go? Oh, we keep them. <laughs> in this pen or like this lesser, lesser what America, the country thinks of only knows segregation, only knows not knowing about people from like a very violent yeah. context. Right. I think the rage against this movie at a lot of what is unsaid and unseen is because people are filling in the blanks and assuming things based on how they think of people and how they, they treat people. They can't imagine the kins are just off somewhere living their lives happily, fine, unoppressed because they know, no, when we don't see people, when we have people out of sight it's because we've done awful things to them or we have, yeah. you know, decimated their numbers or we are actively 
imprisoning them. Like something bad is happening off screen. Yep. The things we don't show you, we don't show you because they're horrendous. And I think they're filling in those blanks because like, they just cannot imagine a world, a system where somebody is not being abused. Like this is, this is evangelicalism. No, this God is great and this God is good and this God is doing all these things, but it's based on destroying other people, oppressing yep. other people, stripping people of their rights and making them be something else. And it's like, y'all are so small-minded. That's all you can imagine. So you're filling in all these blanks with all the wrong answers because those are the answers of your heart. Like this is, yep. this is how you see romance and relationships. There has to be a winner and a loser. And if the Barbies are winning, the kids have to be losing. And because so many of these people, like y'all don't see us, you don't see us as equal humans. You don't, because if you did, you would be able to empathize and you would be able to say, no, I love this for the Barbies. I can see myself in that, but you can't, like you were so stuck on just these gender roles. Like yep. <laughs> all you can relate to is the kins in this world. I would be a kin. Why? Oh, just because of your gender? That's it, because you can't, you can't get beyond that. You cannot see a world in which you, a boy, could be a Barbie. Live like a Barbie. And enjoy life. But it's like, nope. <laughs> if they're enjoying life, that means that I can't be. So, yeah, we gotta... That's the, yeah, yeah. If the Barbies are... If these people are enjoying life, it's the, it's the need for power because the kids were enjoying life. Like they had some lessons to learn for sure, but like they were enjoying life and it was a, it's the power. It's saying like, well, if the Barbies have power, then I can't enjoy life because I, what you actually want is the power. You don't want the joy. Right. Right. So we know, we know. John Eldridge loves a movie. How do you think he would review the Barbie movie? A zero out of ten. <laughs> he would talk about how this movie circumvents how God created gender roles and um, the Barbies weren't... Uh, but I would, I, I would argue he would say... Um, that the Barbies being in power, God didn't design us to be that way. And I, I actually think, even though he does think the way that the Kins treated the Barbies, it like he would say that that is not God's design, but his words don't match. Like, that's his belief system. But he would say, like, that also is not God's design. We're like partners. We're, but like, that's not what shows up in his writing. That's not what shows up. But I think that he would say both are not God's designs. And that 
the Barbies and Kins needed to be connected to a creator and being connected to a creator um, would uh, cause Barbie land to be um, what it is supposed to be. That would be my... Ew. If both did their perfect roles, that is how Barbie land should be designed. Because that's what you do when you're, a grifter. you know, when you're a grifter, you just you just be saying stuff, even if it doesn't always align with like other stuff you said. Yeah, and always appealing to some higher power, right? And it's not always yeah. God; it is the system. It is whatever yeah if all of your problems can always are always just neatly traced back to this one system this one factor i can't do whatever because racism is racism a real thing absolutely is it the higher power in my life is it my guiding force no does it affect me yeah but i don't know like sometimes you just have to think about how how often is someone appealing to again a higher power just as bad in in evangelicalism god told me this the lord said you know people used to cover themselves with that you see it on the other side with people from everything, right? Racism won't allow me to do this. Um, so y'all send me money. My ADHD won't let me do this. So y'all send me money. All the things. And these are real things. But if you are in the deconstruction space and you are using your platform to constantly take from the people next to you at some point you need to be turning around and actually talking talking to the systems you got to be talking to someone bigger (laughs) at some point you got to go to mattel and we got to have a talk about what's going on in barbie land (laughs) we got to look around and say okay what are the things besieging us what are the things that have been holding us down and how can we get that off of us how can we get that out of here how can we (laughs) take back the mojo dojo casa house if like this ain't working and nobody comes into deconstruction clean right without baggage and old evangelical mess and so like seeing seeing the kins go into the real world and then come back and they're bringing this filth that they picked up over there and we are the same coming into deconstruction so we got the evangelicalism and then we come into here and then we have this idea of what we don't want to see okay i didn't like this and this and this and now we're going to build this space better but we're not because 
we only know how to do things from the old world. And if we're not dealing with our own insecurities, our own issues, if I'm not honest about, you know, I've said this before, what I didn't get from that world and what I'm still hungry for here, I'm going to do the same thing. And I'm going to be a little bit worse because now I know, I know the language. I know the tricks. Yeah. Right. Like even talking about Jonah Hill again and him using therapy language. language. Right. Right. And so people have learned the scripts and people know how to say, say things. So ask questions. And if you're afraid to ask questions again on this side, something is wrong. If you're seeing things, if you, if you're seeing, you know, people, people with platforms and you're seeing things like, ah, I don't know. I don't know about that. But then you're keeping silent because, you know, everyone else seems to be going along with it. Right. Like the Barbies woke up by someone giving voice to the dissonance. And it's like, you might, unfortunately, even in this space, have to be that voice again and to be the dissonance saying, hey, mm, I don't know. I don't know about this because we can't. And I think the, the being the voice, I think we can take a page from Barbie's book and things were better when people spoke out. When people woke each other up, things were better. And I think... You know, we all are taking our shit that we learned in the evangelical space into this new space. And I think we do this by not allowing people to question when people have real concerns. We do this by, you know, I'm a believer in mutual aid. I give to mutual aid. But we do this by continuously asking people who don't have money for for their resources and you know we just change the language but it's still that 10% that you owe because of insert whatever and the reality is is that you know a lot of people in the deconstruction space it's because they were pastors and they were and they have had to figure out how do I start my life again and so people are like picking up trades and going to school and doing things to try and get jobs that actually financially support them. And for some, it has been harder than others. And this notion that like, you owe someone something because of insert whatever higher power is there, it, it is also manipulative. And it's a manipulative to not allow people to question. And it's manipulative to block people when they ask questions. And no one... No one is above questions, right? And no one wants to seem anti-black, any kind of phobic. But if you're having to turn off your your instincts, your mind to support someone, don't do it. Like if I might have a question about this, but I can't ask this person that because they're queer, because they're black, because they're whatever. 
if you have a question that you can't ask, don't give the support. Like, it's fine. Because we're not trying to build new, new pastors here. And I want to caveat that. If you are afraid to ask someone that you don't have a close relationship questions, this is why having friends who don't look like you is important. Because my friends, when they feel off about someone, um, but that person is, let's say, Black, um, they will come and say, hey, do you have space for me to ask you this question? And then they'll say, what do you think about this? And then I'm like, oh, that person's a grifter. Listen, if you're still giving money to Sean King, I hate to burst your bubble, but my guy is a grifter. Um, he's asked for a lot of money over the years, and some of those things, where are they? Where did, when did he go to Everest and climb Everest? Where is the $40,000 dog? I've got questions. And if you're afraid to question Sean King because you don't have a relationship with him or you see obviously like people are just straight up racist towards him. So you're like on the fence, ask people that you trust that look like that person. I don't look like Sean King, but, uh, cause <laughs> whole other grift, whole other, <laughs> the whole, whole other grift. but, uh, if you have questions of someone that is in my social location community, like that, that door is open. Um, but I think if you have feelings, talk to people who you trust who either have, are further along on the journey than you are or people who look like those people. You don't just have to give of your time, resource, whatever, because someone says you have to. That is all the things we learned in the evangelical space, and we don't have to take that here. Right, right. And I would say, you know, if you... Somebody is soliciting funds. They need help. They need mutual aid. And you have, <laughs> it's the old school uh, evangelical, you have a check in your spirit. If, you're, if your intent is, like, why, why do you want to help this particular person? Especially if it's one of these parasocial relationships. If this is not your friend, your actual friend. Why, why are you feeling compelled to get to them? And if it is because, and it's fine if it is this, it is because they are black. They are queer. They are whatever. They are a part of a social group that I want to help. And I want to do something helpful for them for this. All right. Do you have a black friend, a queer friend? Do you actually know somebody in the social circle? You can ask them, as Ashley said. Also, you can just give to them. Like, <laughs> like if you have just been compelled, you, this person has come across That's your timeline and you now feel That's compelled, real. I just really want to do something for the black community, for the queer community, whatever. Give it to someone you know. This is the same thing I've said about evangelicalism, right? Stop giving your money to Hillsong. Give it to somebody, give it to an actual person. Give it to an actual cause that you care about. 
Like, we have to get better about not, not recreating these old systems. And part of that is step one, stop giving your money to churches. Step two, stop giving your money to grifters of all orientations by giving to real things and real people and real causes and things that you care about and are concerned about. And if you don't have any of those things, get some. Or even spread out the mutual aid. If like mutual aid is what you feel like you have to do, um, if the same person is needing mutual aid over and over and over again, what people are you not seeing because a grifter is going to have a platform? Right. What people are you not, are you not seeing that you feel like need support? Go find out. Where do the kins live? What's going on? Where do the kins live? I don't know. This whole chapter and just this idea of... Again, this chapter is about romance with God, but it's about... (laughs) It's not a romance. It's a relationship. And it's a bad relationship. And we are all building relationships all the time. And as people coming out of evangelicalism, we just have to be really careful that we're not falling into the old patterns. Like, if I if I would have written the Barbie movie when they're breaking the Barbies out and having to give them these speeches, I would have had at least one be like, oh, you ain't got to give me the speech. I knew it was off, but I was just going along with it because everyone else was. Like, yeah, like there had to be at least one who was like, no, I wasn't with this, but (laughs) everyone else seemed to be on board. So platforms are fine. They're fun. They're not all they're cracked up to be. And neither are the people on them. We are all... Some of us are doing our best and are really trying not to recreate old stuff. Yeah. But it's, it's work. It's a job. And not everybody wants a job, to be honest. So thus, thus endeth <laughs> the lecture. <laughs> The culture of women in the church today is crippled by some very pervasive lies. To be spiritual is to be busy. To be spiritual is to be disciplined. To be spiritual is to be dutiful, no. To be spiritual is to be in a romance with God. The desire to be romanced lies deep in the heart of every woman. It is for such that you were made, and you are romanced, and ever will be. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, Everything, everything is permissible. Not everything is beneficial. Um, Chapter seven, captivating. From harmful to beneficial, one to 10, where would you put this chapter? 25. (laughs) The most harm. The lover and the father, 25. (laughs) Well, no. 10 is beneficial. 
Oh, negative 25. <laughs> God, the lover, the father. I read porn. Negative 25. Yeah. All right. And the Barbie movie. 10. It was a 10 for me. It was a 10. I felt confident. It was beautiful. I cried. I thought of my own mom. It was a 10. Everyone should watch it. And if you're a conservative man or a less than conservative man that felt feels icky about Barbie, I just open your heart and watch it again. If, 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 as the Christians say, go in with new eyes. <laughs> Get rid of your heart of stone. Let it be a heart of flesh. Usually we would have, I would ask for a recommendation, but this week's recommendation, do not read. Go see Barbie. Right. Do not read this book at all. Go see Barbie. And that's that. Thank you for dropping in on the Bad Book Club. I certainly hope you had a better time listening than we did reading. Bad Words is an irreverent media podcast, a Legata Scratch production, and a God is Not Given side hustle. Produced by Janice Legata and made possible by the generous support of Jodly and Jodwilling patrons like... Will. Thank you, Will. If you're enjoying this season, please let the people know by leaving a rating or a review on the podcast platform of your choice. And if you're looking for a better book experience, ask Amazon about The Grift of God and or The Divide by me, Janice Legata. And until we meet again, take care of you and be well. This has been an episode of Bad Words, but to finish up, here are some good ones. Closing thoughts for those in the deconstruction space. Let's be critical, Barbie. Let's be questioning Barbie. Um, Let's be, trust our instincts, Barbie. I think a lot was taken from us in the evangelical space, Um, but I think we can all benefit from becoming trust yourself, Barbie. Hmm. I like that. That's it. That's a word, y'all. Take that and uh, (laughs) go with God. Go with God. Don't go with God. God is...